In the last year, there's been an exponential increase in attacks on OT. Now, this shouldn't be surprising as times of uncertainty generally create confusion and innovation. In 2020, most businesses were forced to quickly pivot to work from home as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. This created huge challenges for information technology departments as they tried to provide safe and easy access to networks from any work environment. But OT did not get a free pass. Hi. Welcome to the ICS Pulse podcast. I, as always, am one of your hosts, Gary Cohen, joined by Tyler Wall. Yep, always here, always will be. And my starting question of, oh, this podcast is we are entering, or I guess by the time this podcast is over, we'll be exiting week 13 of the National Football League, also known as the NFL. Uh, who do you, who are your Super Bowl contenders right now? <laughs> well, we both live in the Chicago area, and I can tell you with certainty that it is not the Chicago Bears. Uh, you are from Michigan. I will say with certainty that it is probably not the Lions. Uh, you know, it's this when we're recording this weekend. The Chiefs and the Bengals played each other, and both of those teams look like they're pretty likely to be playing each other to to go into the, you know, to, to come out from the AFC again. The Bills look good. The Eagles look good. Uh, the Cowboys look good, but I never trust the Cowboys lately. I, I don't have a lot of faith in Dak Prescott, just me. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, the, the Eagles look really good, and then somewhere from that Bears-Chiefs uh, Bengals contingent. I think you're looking at somebody. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see, I'd love to see the lions in there. Uh, they'd have to really pull something together though. They'd have to really get on a solid win streak here, but yeah, I think I can, I can see the Eagles going in there. I liked how Jalen hurts has been playing. He's been pretty doing, doing pretty dang well. And then, uh, I hear, I, I'm an avid listener, unfortunately of undisputed, with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. And I can tell you right now that uh, he really wants the Cowboys to go, but I they could. But right now I'm thinking it'll probably be an Eagles definitely in there. And then also maybe I'd like to see the Bengals in there. I feel like they deserve a win. They they brought it back there last last year and, and lost it obviously because they got close they got they really truly there is nothing the paid sports bloviators like to talk about more than the cowboys whether it's bayless or stephen a smith or they love talking about the cowboys they do i uh, yeah they do the other uh, thing that i want to bring up as we move into the holidays is a uh tyler and i are both kind of car guys i think tyler more so than i am and uh, my family, my children and I got our Christmas tree this weekend, which we put up, which is always a wonderful festive occasion. But, you know, when you go to the Christmas tree lot, they throw the tree on top of your car. Um, and then when you get home, you and your children, just a general story, not something that happened to me, might try to get the tree off of the roof of your car and uh, one of the children who is maybe not strong enough to hold the tree up may scrape the branches of the tree down the side of your car, creating scratches all down the back of your car, uh, your lovely, pristine car. That may or may not have happened to me this weekend and dampened my holiday spirit just a little bit, 
just a mm. little bit. Uh, yeah, it was not my favorite moment of the of the holiday season kickoff. The tree is lovely. It looks great. The kids did a great job decorating it. Uh, the car does not look as good. I was going to say, I hope that tree looks great. That tree just cost more than it did initially. <laughs> Generally speaking, of course, like you said, the story doesn't apply to you at all. It's more so just happens. No, I just think this might have happened to people out in the world, not to me personally, of course. Right. I didn't. I, I did not have a little moment with my children this weekend where we talked about that uh, <laughs> and being careful when you take trees down from the roof of your car. I may or may not have had, I, but I figure other people do. It's very relatable. Oh, I, I think it is too. <laughs> um, so today, we got a great podcast for you. We have a um, good friend of ICS Pulse with, with us. That is Rick Peters. He is formerly the Chief Information Security Officer of Operational Technology for North America at Fortinet. Did that for a few years, recently retired from that job. Uh, prior to that, he worked, I believe, 33 years with the NSA. So very interesting guy. And he's going to talk to us today about the state of OT security, which obviously has changed a bit in the last few years, you know, from, as we've talked about on here before, years ago, people saying OT is not susceptible to cyber attack because it's air gapped. It's not, uh, it's not connected to the internet, almost said attached to the internet. I'm very technically savvy, not connected to the internet. So no one can get us. And then um, obviously that's not the case anymore. And more and more attacks uh, from this year and previously are focusing on OT. Uh, it is under, I think, threat more than it has been before. So the attack landscape has definitely changed in the last few years. Yeah, it really has. And kind of related to that, too, is um, the Department of Defense recently just released one of their statements uh, talking about how they've been partnering with Ukraine in light of the uh, russian ukraine crisis that has been ongoing uh despite it starting to get less coverage in the news and all that just because sensationalism so we get bored of war after a little while we're very know, excited right? when it first starts and then we as a public go is that still happening yeah right exactly still happening yeah right uh but they recently just said that um their partnership with ukraine is starting to pay off cybersecurity wise uh over there and so they have a team right now in ukraine that uh, or sorry, that works with Ukraine. They aren't actually in Ukraine. Uh, that is 39 people up from 10. And yeah, they're just really working with them to uh, protect Ukraine from the actual Russian invasion itself. And they've had pretty strong successes with being able to block most of the attack efforts on, on behalf of Ukraine. It's a fairly interesting point because it's one of the things that, that when we talk to Rick here in a few minutes, he talks about a lot, which is, and I've used this phrase ever since I talked to Rick, which is that cybersecurity is a team sport. I mean, there is a wealth of information out there that people can use to help harden their cyber defenses, to, to get better at cybersecurity, to institute cybersecurity best practices. Unfortunately, a lot of times when it comes to cybersecurity, uh, people play that pretty close to the vest. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about what they're doing. They don't want people to know what they're doing. Um, but this idea of sharing and collaborating and working together, it, it really is the way to, to build trust, to create these partnerships, to create, as Rick Peters calls it later in the interview, a coalition of the willing, people who are willing to work together to harden these cyber systems. 
this sort of communication and collaboration is invaluable. Um, doesn't always happen, but this is a good win, I think, for the for the U.S. government and for Ukraine and and for collaboration in general. It is, yeah. And another part that is difficult too with protecting OT systems, and I would say just cybersecurity in general is also just that C-suite buy-in. It's just it's difficult to show them that it's worth spending money on, despite the rise of various cyber attacks statistically. Um, it's just difficult to speak their lingo sometimes and and things related to that. Yeah, there is, you know, for to, for increased cybersecurity, there is a cybersecurity case to be made. We don't want to get our systems hacked. We don't want to lose our data. We don't want to be whatever it is, embarrassed publicly. But there's also a business case. And that business, making that business case is a really important point as well because, man, you lose... You lose money, you lose reputation, you could use, lose. There's again, something that Rick Peters talks about, your special sauce, industrial espionage, people uh, hacking your systems to take your trade secrets, you know, that those can be really, really damaging to the business and to create that culture that we talk about all the time. Um, yeah, you do need to, to, um, to get buy-in from the top down. You need to have everybody on the same page. The company needs to support it. And I mean, that's how hopefully it trickles down to everybody else, whether on that IT department or the OT. Yeah. And something else that um, Rick also gets into is uh, just the idea of readiness kind of being one of the more important parts to um, cyber protection or cybersecurity as it is normally called by normal people. Uh, and so just being able to recognize everything early as it comes in and all of that early detection is really important to neutralizing the amount of potential damage uh, and mitigating any risk. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the earlier you can find it, the better it's uh, going to be for you. Absolutely. The other thing that I was thinking about today, because we are, as we are recording this, we are moving into December. As you are listening to this, it'll be a little bit later in December, uh, which means we are moving into the holiday season and the end of the year. And so it, it got Tyler and I thinking about some of the uh, the kind of year in review of industrial cybersecurity. We'll talk about that a little bit in the next podcast. But one of the things that I think has really come out of this year is that OT is as under attack, is as likely to be attacked, is as susceptible to attack, if not more so than IT. Most organizations put a lot of their cybersecurity funds into IT, protection of data. But uh, but yeah, I think this year is, is one of those years where this idea that OT needs to be protected too has come to the forefront. And that's, uh, again, something that Rick will talk about. But I think that's something that's that's really happened. And it's there's been... A lot of effort. Uh, one, for instance, the the article that Tyler was just referencing with our partnership with Ukraine, but a lot of government effort, and there always is some government effort, but a lot of government effort to try to create a nationalized cybersecurity stance to share some of these best practices to create a baseline for cybersecurity, um, and that that's everything from. You know, the CMMC of the Department of Defense saying you have to have these baseline cybersecurity practices in place or you can't play with the Department of Defense. Those sorts of things, I think, it, creating it would be great if everybody's cybersecurity was absolutely fantastic, but creating this baseline of like, here's the bare minimum you need to, to, 
to do to swim in this pool, I think can be really valuable as well. Yeah, definitely. Especially with a lot of systems um, being these OT systems being more so legacy systems too, just because updating them requires downtime in some cases. Downtime means lots of money, blah, 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 yada, yada. But them being old is what makes them so vulnerable. Or I guess I say not even necessarily the fact that they are so old, just the fact that they haven't been taken up to modern standards is part of the issue of why the threat landscape is so big in the OT world. Yeah, it's about, as everybody talks about all the time, it's about reliability, safety, things that matter a lot in OT, which means if you have a machine that's on the plant floor that's been doing its job well, it just does this one thing, it's been doing it for 20 years, it's reliable, that machine's probably still there with all of its 20-year-old issues sitting inside of it. It maybe is running on an old Microsoft software that's outdated that patches don't exist for anymore. It makes things a lot more difficult and a lot more complicated on the OT side. And like Tyler said, if you want to run those patches, if they exist, if you want to try to clean things up, uh, if you want to run tests on the system, it's not so easy to take OT systems down. If you're making beer or Coca-Cola or candy, you know, you shut those systems down Suddenly, you're no longer making those things, and that that can be a problem for companies. I said we have a great guest here. Uh, Richard Peters was the CISO of Operational Technology North America at Fortinet. He was there for a few years, recently retired. Uh, still a good friend to ICS Pulse. We talk to him occasionally when uh, when we're looking for a source to a story. He's always really insightful. He has uh, close to 40 years of cybersecurity and global partnering experience working across foreign, domestic, and commercial industry sectors at both Fortinet and the National Security Agency. He worked at the NSA for 33 years before he joined Fortinet. So he's got some really great insight into uh, protecting OT, into how the government works, into things like industrial espionage, as you can imagine. Really interesting guy. Uh, Rick, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, Gary, it's a pleasure to be here and even more of a pleasure to engage those in your audience here who are in control engineering and are as passionate about this business as I am. Thank you so much. I mean, yeah, there's a, de a definite need for cybersecurity information out there. And, and we'll start right there. If you, if you look at the headlines, it's become very clear that cyber attacks are on the rise, whether that's attacks on critical infrastructure, whether that's ransomware, which obviously has been skyrocketing lately. In your opinion, are most companies and manufacturers, I don't want to say taking this seriously, but are they keeping up with this increased threat? And if they're not, what should they be doing right now? So it, it's interesting, right? When you take a, a look at what's going on activity-wise, you obviously see a huge increase. At least it seems to be making a lot more headlines. And the reality is the numbers bear out that way. And we saw a 400% increase in attacks on OT just in the last year. That probably doesn't surprise many because in these times of uncertainty and certainly a global pandemic creates lots of confusion I and mean, innovation, right? Running wild, the theme Q1 and beyond was to quickly pivot, to work from home. OT didn't get a free pass. They were equally charged to figure out how to, how to connect, how to spread and be able to accomplish business when not everything's done on-prem. So that of course creates opportunities. Um, and I would say, what we were witnessing heading into 2020 is, is still true. Lots of attempts to disrupt OT across all of the aspects. So it's not just focused on manufacturing or energy and utilities or transportation. You're seeing it everywhere. So it's pervasive and it's pervasive because it's profitable. 
That profit motivation, of course, raises the antenna of those charged to protect operational technology. So they have to think about a proportional increase or investment uh, because they've already digitally transformed. They made that commitment to get the data. Now they need to figure out how to make sure that they are equally committed to protecting their enterprise, their infrastructure, because we see lots of threads being pulled. I mean, purposefully, you could argue, well, yeah, sure, we've seen lots of phishing attacks and ransomware. Is that popular? Yeah, sure, it looks like extortion might be top of mind. But the reality is, what you're really seeing the majority of these efforts, if you peel them back and start to really study them, uh, is think about industrial espionage. What they're really after is that information, that intellectual capital, that is, which is almost pro is proprietary likely. It's, it's your secret sauce. It's what you bake in. It's your trade craft. That's really the value that they're going to go after. If you're in, in the healthcare industry, which is obviously connected, they're after privacy data. All has great value. Uh, and of course, you know, we have to be able to pivot and understand what's going on and be able to detect it and neutralize it at the speed of business. So when you think about this kind of from an outside perspective, I think most people think about this as trying to keep hackers out of your system, whether that's a, a professional hacking collective, whether that's a nation state actor, but there's just as much threat or there is at least increased threat also from an internal actor or an inside job. What should people know about that? And how do you protect against an employee walking out the door with trade secrets? So yeah, as a gr first of all, that is a great question. That's a great point. And it, it, it illustrates the one value or the premise that's true no matter what, and that is you're always going to have this human element in every industry, in every business. And if I'm sitting at a, at a board, a private board, having that conversation, the concern is always about insider behavior. You know, one of the things that you're seeing trend-wise today is the move towards behavioral analysis, at-speed behavioral analysis, so that we can detect those kinds of behaviors using AI techniques, using the power of actionable intelligence to recognize any change, any behavior that looks like an anomaly. It doesn't have to have a signature that flags it as a malware attack. It could, uh, but more, more, more apparently, I would say, when you shifted to work from home, you also shifted the place where folks are doing work. So they may be uh, more adept in some instances, but in other instances, you're dealing with someone who may behave because they're comfortable in their home space and they may commit an act, not knowingly, but one that allows the adversary to gain a hold of that, that point as an access point. From that point, it's game on, right? And so we have to think about all the dimensions of what's going on, but moreover, think about you know, what's, what's the cost of our inability to defend. I would pull one thread on this, and it's not just a technology problem. We have to educate our people. We have to understand our process and our process engineering, how we're refining that and apply technology. So you have to think about all three dimensions and protecting our infrastructure. On that education point, because that's very interesting to our audiences, how does someone learn about cybersecurity tips, principles? Where can someone go to, to find this information if they're trying to get on board? Well, obviously there's, there's the, the traditional curve, right? You go to colleges and universities, uh, but I would say there's, there's a plethora of information out there today that can be shared amongst peers. And I think companies are sharing as well. And I've been with Fortinet now four years and we have an NSE curriculum that really allows you to start at the bottom and work all the way up to an expert level. And in 2020, we made that available to our customers and partners and interested clients at no cost. Why? Because 
in order to achieve cyber resilience, we all need to work together. It is a team sport. You just aren't going to gain the traction unless those who are committed to solving their problems become and gain that same level of fluency. And you know the beauty of it, it that it transcends and gets into this idea of sharing, sharing ideas, sharing options, having a respect and building trust across those teams. So partnerships really become a coalition of the willing. Uh, this is this is kind of a, a bigger question, but um, you've spent several years with Fortinet. Before that, you were with the NSA for I think thirty three years. You've, I'm certain, faced your share of cyber attacks. You look at things that have happened recently, like solar winds or Oldsmar, uh, the, the attack on the water treatment facility in Florida. If you can kind of help us get into the head of a, of a bad actor, what is a cyber adversary's approach to accessing information? What are they looking for? How are they trying to get into your systems? Well, it's interesting. I think the first thing you have to recognize is, you know, uh, they're, they're unethical as a lot, right? Because they're seeking to accomplish a, a mission, their own mission, often, often with profit as the motivation, right? They're, they're looking for what they can take away, whether they're selling intellectual property, you know, your tradecraft, your secrets, your crown jewels, uh, whether they're giving away data, if it's records, privacy data, you know, whatever form that takes, it's gaining access. And access is the key. I know my former life, yeah, access was always that first step. You know, if we start to look at what the kill chain looks like, and there's lots of models out there, we understand that from the point of access, and I think solar winds was a great example of that, right? You had a lot of discretion on the part of an adversary gaining access using a party that was delivering a service. So the service was the payload, right? What a wonderful way to get on a wide variety of targets. So whether you were the primary target or collateral, it's again, a widespread attack that gained lots of access. And then once I'm on target, then I'm gonna use higher grade tools to, to gain uh, access or further access or penetration, right? So it's getting on target, then using exploits that allow me to achieve and move within the environment. I would say my natural instinct once I'm on point is to move quickly. So if you're not containing me, I'm gone. I've moved on to where my ultimate destination is to achieve uh, a, probably a comprehensive or a multi-thread campaign. So I may keep you busy over here focusing on a problem that looks like ransomware. I may be busy off stealing your tradecraft. So that's kind of what we have to think about today. There's a, uh, a lot happening in the midst of every single sequence. And so when you trace back and understand, readiness becomes the key. It's earliest recognition, earliest detection, earliest neutralization, and that cycle needs to happen at the speed of business. So you minimize the loss and you minim minimize the, the loss in, in productivity, but also you keep your system safe and running the way you would expect and trust. We're clearly in a brave new world here from an information perspective. So how would you advise your peers, others in the industry when it comes to securing the evolution of IoT devices, 5G, things like that moving forward? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely been true now for at least the last half decade that you've seen an amped up increase, right, in, in innovation and technology. And that certainly bled into OT, you know, an environment that traditionally was considered safe and air-gapped, kind of off doing its own thing. Well, you know, the convergence or digital transformation of that environment, the connectivity, and now the edges connected into that, 
have, have changed that landscape. It's a whole lot more challenging today. So we got to continue to expect that. We have to anticipate innovation is going to continue. It's not the exception, it's the rule, right? It's, it's how we can think about faster adoption of emerging technologies. And what does it mean to be ready? We've got to understand the capacity and the increased interest in data is not gonna go away. Data is that commodity of interest. Uh, that appetite's already been whetted. And in the business world, that data allows me to make smarter decisions faster, be able to pivot quickly and increase my operational efficiency. Well, that's got to be real attractive to the C-suite. Now I've got to come back and be able to proportionally invest in a way that ensures the integrity of that environment. So if I'm doing that, then I can choose a path with a solution adoption that allows me to scale. And scale is key, right? In this world that's growing so fast, if the solution or the approach you take doesn't scale, you hit a wall, you hit a ceiling very quickly, and that will be frustrating. So you want to be heading down a path that's going to give you decades of assurance. Because that's the kind of way the OT uh, system owners think. You know, that abiding business principle is always safety, but they also want to be able to feel comfortable with the path that they're on and the fact that you have trust inherent with your partners. And your partners are what are going to deliver that value long term and give you the sense of wellness day to day. That's terrific. I think the need for cybersecurity has never been stronger. And thank you for, uh, for helping us and our audience get there a little bit faster. So Rick, thanks so much for being with us here. Gary, it's always a pleasure and uh, uh, stay safe and thank you for the time. And there you have it with Rick Peters, formerly of Fortinet and the National Security Agency. A lot of interesting stuff in that, uh, in that short interview we had with him. Uh, you mentioned it prior to the interview when he said readiness is the key. The goal should be earliest recognition, earliest detection, and earliest neutralization. Uh, and the tricky part of that, as he said during the interview, is that cycle all needs to happen at the speed of business so companies can minimize their loss in, in productivity. That's really the trickiest part. The earlier you can get to it, uh, the earlier you can start neutralizing it and remediating that attack, the less productivity you lose. Um, so yeah, that preparation is really, really key. Yeah, like I said earlier, that is really, really important to protecting um, your OT systems and mitigating that threat landscape. And there are definitely different ways you can do that in terms of uh, being ahead of the curve, if you will, like uh, just knowing what to look for with phishing emails, not clicking links from people you don't already trust and things of that nature. Recently, I know I've noticed is there have been like a lot of PDFs going around. I just noticed this in my like spam inbox a lot of people who are probably trying to hack into all of my things that I own is like they send PDFs with like clickable links in them. And I'm like, I probably shouldn't do that. So I don't. Uh, so yeah, it's just being able to recognize uh, the different signs, you, if you will, of a potential cyber attack on in the haps or brewing uh, in order to ensure the safety of your, whether that be plant floor or company or automation system, whatever it may be. Uh, and then one of the other things to also hit on was uh, inside uh, threats from the inside. So what that looks like, like you talked about is um, someone maybe not knowing necessarily what they're doing or clicking on just from either lack of understanding or things like that, it kind of ties into that readiness nature for sure. Um, but also another aspect of that is just an insider attack, just like some guy uh, 
that just wants to be able to use their leverage of being an internal uh, employee to their advantage to gain information and maybe hold it for ransom or anything in that nature. Right. We spend a lot of time talking about external threats or organizations do, but insider attacks are very prevalent as well. And so, like you said, internal intellectual property theft always been a concern for businesses. You know, Rick mentioned that in the interview. Um, but it's not always somebody with malicious intent. As he said, that shift to work from home that started happening in 2020 and is still really out there today. A lot of people are working from home, including Tyler and I, right this very second. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't have anybody looking over your shoulder, as he mentioned, which maybe makes you more likely to engage in some of these risky behaviors, like downloading an app that maybe you shouldn't download, a program from somebody you don't trust, clicking on a link. You just, you're at home, your guard's down a little bit more, you know, nobody's watching you. Um, but that might be all an intruder needs to, to get into your system. So, and, and so many of these attacks, if you look at the attacks of the last few years are happening from phishing emails or spare phishing, spear phishing or whatever, somebody just clicking a link they shouldn't have clicked. That's enough to give somebody an entry point. And from there, they're moving to wherever they can move. Yeah, and particularly also in these work from home settings that we're still kind of in. I know a lot of companies are moving back to hybrid settings, much like we have right now. Um, when you're not in the office, you kind of lose that. I don't know. I don't know what else to call it besides stick up your butt nature a little bit. So you're just a little more, a little more relaxed at home. You're like, maybe you know what? Maybe this wouldn't actually happen to me. I'm, I am, I am the outlier. And so yeah, you just let your card, card guard down in these uh in these situations where yeah you might get that spear phishing email and you're like yeah i'll click the link to see what it is surely nothing will happen and i can just back out of it and all will be well but it's just it's not like that in the real world and remember I, i'm just so I, I am aware that i'm full of holiday cheer today with the car story earlier but the holidays are also a time where a lot more people are are leveraging these sorts of attacks because they know your guard might be even more down, that your company may be lower staffed, that your cybersecurity people, your IT experts, OT experts may not be in the office that day. So there is a, also a greater likelihood of attacks at this time of year because people know that it's a, it, it's a profitable time to go in and try to either ransomware a system, hack a system. So uh, happy holidays to everybody out there, but it also is a time when there are increased cyber attacks. So don't let your guard down uh, because you've had too much eggnog. Yeah, right. Exactly. Just make sure Yeah, you don't lax, even though the times are lax. You want to make sure you just on the forefront of your brain, just know what know what's happening at all times. But yeah, that was a great interview with uh, Rick Peters. And for more great information on cybersecurity, specifically industrial cybersecurity, you can visit us at industrialcybersecuritypulse.com. If you have any sort of comments or you want to come on the podcast, uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Our handle is at ICS underscore Pulse, or you can email either one of us. I am uh, twall twall at cfemedia.com and gary is g cohen c-o-h-e-n at cfemedia.com and this podcast or the next podcast i should say we are moving to an every other week schedule so you will be able to find us in 
two Tuesdays instead of next Tuesday. But we're still going to be dropping on Tuesdays, just every other Tuesday now instead of every Tuesday. So uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Please check us out next time. And uh, yeah, thanks for being with us. Yep, Thanks for joining us. 